Like, I, obviously. Oh, dude, it's fine, Pat. No big deal. Not like I was trying to fucking talk about the podcast for a quick second. <laughs> I uh, I haven't been through this with you guys, so I'm just gonna, <sighs> like gonna hang out for a little bit. But I really like more than anything. I just did like a review on the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So I'll let y'all kind of do your thing, and then I'll just kind of chime in where I feel necessary if it's cool. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Court does all the fucking all the extra notes and the the Dave Meltzer shit, and I just watch it and go like. God damn, this was terrible. And then I just like write it in a notepad. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. Like when we did the invasion pay per view for the ref, oh. the the Havner versus fucking Mitch Patrick oh, match. Oh, I just wrote who the fuck. Wrote, like I was like, this is the worst booking decision ever. And that was the only yeah, note. <laughs> that was the only yeah. note. That was the only note that I had for the entire match was just why. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Corlin spent, like, five minutes on it. He had, like, all these notes. I was like, this is dog shit. I just moved on. Yeah, just a, a casual six-tenths of a star on the rapper. No big deal. It's a real shitter of a man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking terrible. All right, Court. Who, uh, who right, records this, by the way? I do. Oh, sick. Are you recording now? Cause that's yeah. Fucking, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. I just cut it. It's fine. Oh, we can cut all this stuff. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Make sure you get the Kaz t-shirt. Don't cut that. I mean, I wanted to feel appropriate since Taz was a commentator. I do have my Taz shirt on. So <laughs> he will just judgingly stare at us the entire time we talk through my microphone. So it's fine. I contemplated surviving through this entire shitty pay-per-view. So. <laughs> Alright, we are beginning the reign of terror. Let's fucking... Reign of terror. Yes, sir. So before we get into reign of terror, y'all want to talk about current wrestling? Anything on the on the mind? On the, on the front love you want to talk about? As of today, it seems like there's at least a leak in AEW's full gear pay-per-view. That card potentially could have leaked. Uh, I saw that. I did see that. Do you think that's an actual leak or just, uh, you know? I don't know what to make of it, right? How do you get to Mox, like Daniel, you know, with Danielson, like how do you get there? Uh, how do you get to FTR, Lucha Brothers, like immediately? I mean, you're talking a month away. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, it's possible with two shows. Plus, you also get to add in Dark and like FTR's been doing a hell of a run over there. Just, dude, I mean, I don't know if you watched the last Dark. I forgot who they had. But it was the best match on Dark, and that's not just from, like, me being a FDR mark, but, like, that match was really solid, and I feel like it was probably the longest on the show. I want to say it was, like, seven-minute Dark match. I mean, that's, that's pretty steep for a Dark match. And, I mean, yeah, they, they were really good. They um, really do utilize Dark differently than I've ever seen any kind of enhancement show, but... uh yeah, I've noticed that FTR has kind of been on a tear. It's just how do you get them from being on dark to being in a tag team championship match in the next pay-per-view? It just seems like a stretch, and I hope that they deliver a good storyline because I feel like that's like one of the areas that they've been lacking in the mid-card. It's just kind of iffy, right? Right now they have like their best mid-card thing right now is MJF and Darby, and that's all stemmed off of MJF just saying, hey, Darby, you should have died. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No. I mean, it feels it feels super um, 
CM Punk and Jeff Hardy esque mm. is how I that's what I'm getting from this feud, like at least the early stages of it. And as long as MJF just steers into the skin of like, you know, you're gonna be a drunk like him and yeah, you yeah. know shit like that, well, then I'm I'm a hundred percent all for it. What about a yeah, that shit's just hilarious. <laughs> um, what about uh, SmackDown and Rampage going to head-to-head? Do you think that that, uh, that is a strategic move by Vince instead of him doing his whole, oh, we're not worried about AEW? Uh, it looks pretty apparent. Targeted The problem I have with it is Rampage hasn't been doing good. Like, from from just like what Vince would, the only thing Vince would pay attention to would be numbers. Like, it's, t- it's tanking horribly. So, like, to be like, we're going to do an extra long SmackDown with no commercials purposely on that last little bit, just because like, it's like a giant fuck you to, like, them, it doesn't, like, it's not necessary. And it honestly is just like, okay, we get it. Like, your show's been around for, like, almost 30 years now. Like, <laughs> like let's... Eh. I mean, however, Rampage isn't doing that great, but I feel like on one side of the coin, you have people watching WWE, and they're watching Vince's reaction by him adding the extra 30 minutes, him doing the no commercial, and I feel like it only helps AEW for WWE fans to see that Vince is worried. I feel like it. the only thing it's really doing is making Tony Khan flex his wallet a little bit. And we're getting fantastic matches on YouTube. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and like, yeah, I wanted that match to be somewhere else with a little more build and, you know, and all this other stuff. But, like, who's to say that's not going to happen in the future? If they're just going to give this shit to me on YouTube on a whim, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. And whichever way it goes, it's not like the buy-in is going to beat SmackDown's last 30 minutes. No. Or buy-in is going to beat the, rather that the last hour of SmackDown. Like It's just, it's going to be damn near impossible. You're not going to get that many views on a YouTube channel. Um, just like that. I may be wrong. Um, but especially like Mike said in the group text and group chat, um, when it comes to like going head to head with Vince, you can't just have promos and you can't just have an announcement for a match that's going to happen in a week or two weeks or whatever. You have to have that pillar match, that match that's going to turn heads. And when you have people like Daniel or Brian Danielson and you have people I pulled out of JR. Pronouns, pal. <laughs> Pronouns, pal. Then um, you have people like that that are going to go forward and do these matches that a lot of people expect to be main events, a lot of people expect to be saved for later when it means more. Um, I try to put it into words that I'm interested to see where it goes. I highly doubt Vince is going to decide to keep going head to head. Um, I just doubt it. But, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited to see what happens in the near future. You know? 
Yeah, it, um, it just it feels like a lose lose on both sides, right? Like Vince yeah. is going to bank that, uh, and and really they should, right? SmackDown shouldn't even be close in terms of the key demographic, which is what they're going to look at um, to yeah. Rampage, which has been really a failing show, even with like your your needle mover and CM Punk supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, um, with Tony Khan then putting, I mean that's a killer match to put on for YouTube, right? So you're really banking on the fact that people are going to tune into that, and then what if they don't have cable, right? What if they're just watching it? That's the way that things are going now. Is there's so many consumers now that don't have like cable television or a cable alternative through the internet that can watch that for free on YouTube, and that's it. Um, so I don't know what they're trying to win over because Vince is really saying, okay, we're going to kick your ass in the key demo, but that's a already failing show so you're kind of just stepping on like the dead horse there um and then for tony to put arguably the best match on that card as a free thing on youtube and not drive um their numbers up with a danielson um suzuki match just it, it's just a weird overall um push and I, I i'm excited to see what it like brings about in terms of numbers but i just don't see how it makes sense on either side yeah yeah and I feel like the problem is, is like, I do appreciate how much they've used Suzuki while he's in the States. 100%. But the key word there is while he's not here permanently, like he's doing a very short run of like things and then he's eventually going back. So it's like, yeah, like that is a fucking insane match to just give away. I mean, you know, technically it's technically free if it's on Rampage or on Dynamite, but like you're just fucking throwing it out there for YouTube and like I don't know what the fuck their YouTube numbers even do for them. I don't think they get a lot out of it. So yeah, it is weird that it's like this is like a a dream match that I think no one ever thought about because it's just like that is a that has always been the for like Danielson having to go to Japan to make that happen. It's like, you're just going to fucking give this to people because Vince was like, fuck you, I can do what I want, and, like, you're just doing it out of spite. So, yeah, it's that, it's weird, but... It feels like Tony Khan's rebuttal to Vince saying, fuck you, is to say, okay, Danielson, you, we can't send you over to Japan right now, so why don't we just bring Japan to you and utilize Suzuki while he's here? But the thing is, I feel like that's something that, again, you could have put on advertisement for at least a month, right? If you had known kind of that that's what the thing was going to be, then why not push that? Um, I don't think that's a decision that you just come to as quickly as they did. Like, there had to be knowledge. Suzuki's bookings have been insane since being in the States. Like, this isn't something that you can just say, yep, this is a one-off. I have time on a, on a Friday. Like, you don't have time. <laughs> so I, I just don't see how, how the booking made sense um, and why they wouldn't have advertised longer than they did, if possible. I mean, like, the, the downside is I think we just haven't had enough time. Because Danielson really just got here, so it's almost, and like, I don't even remember if, did Suzuki already make his appearance prior to him coming? Or was it right after? It was right, the same night. It was the same night? Okay, yeah, so that's like, that's like that weird part, because it's like, then you like literally have him attacking, it's like he's already doing something, so it's like them promoting a match. Like, it's just, a lot happened at one fucking time, and I feel like they just rushed everything because they were like, oh, fuck, like, SmackDown's trying to fuck us, so we gotta do this now. And then, like, I, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it plays out, but I don't know Suzuki, if there's a win. Suzuki Mox is over here, then you have Danielson and the Elite over here, 
And then they're like, ah, fuck it, let's just do this real quick and come back maybe. Like, it just feels real uh, out of kilter there for them. Yeah. Yeah. But tomorrow will be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, anything else that uh, y'all want to add? Ooh, I want to add something. Uh, what is this uh, women's tournament uh, for Queen of the Ring, uh, Queen's Crown is what they're mm. talking about? Y'all have given less than ten. <laughs> sorry, ten minutes. Oh, five in matches. in your notes. I know yeah. you have it written down because we're talking about it. How long is the triple threat match in this in on this pay per view? Uh, it felt like seven minutes. It's seven. Seven. So you're telling me that 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 women's match from almost twenty years ago oh, no. has had four minutes. It's only four. It felt longer. It felt longer. Yeah. In all that. fairness, that match alone has has almost half the amount of time that the entire tournament has had. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. insane. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that the. I mean, I know that they've been tipping on the edge of like what they're going to do with this king or like queen of the ring. Um, I know that they talked about it for a while before really executing it. Um, I could be wrong, but like, didn't they just announce King of the Ring like the week after AEW announced their partnership with the Owen Foundation? Is that real? I feel like I've seen the Xavier Woods being King of the Ring for a while now, but I feel I mean, like he's been posting that for yeah. years, though. Like that's been yeah. his like dream, like his life. Long dream is to be king of the ring. That might have been just over having a championship, and I I love that. That could have just been like pure coincidence, because you know that like even for WWE, like they're petty motherfuckers, but like they also do have things set up for so long in advance that like that could have just been really weird timing. But like they're also the small part of me that's like. You know, we got the Owen Hart Same thing over time. here, and then they're yeah. like, fuck you, King of the Ring. Remember, he was one. <laughs> they're like, we yeah, can't have him because his wife hates us, but. <laughs> I think on SmackDown, or, well, one of the two, I was just flipping through channels, and of course, one of them was on. So I stopped, and they were like doing the King of the Ring, like, vignette. Or not vignette, but like, promo for all the people who have won it. And like, they flashed Owen like five times. And I was really surprised, and I'm glad that they did, but it was kind of like, had him first, had him first. Yeah, that first. backhanded little thing. You know? He yeah. died here, don't forget it. Right, that's exactly it. That's the issue. Yeah, Vince is like, oh, well, we got last. I'm going to pass out. My last little tidbit before we jump in: uh, the Luna Vachon Dark Side of the Ring dropped today. Oh, really? Dropped today. Um, so after this, that's certainly what I'm diving into. Respect. Not to get yeah. dark, real. We were talking about. Okay, I literally just said Odar died. I've got fucking Chris Benoit right behind me, like. <laughs> Which once again, I will always make sure that wherever he is hung, Vince is right next to him. Did you have to say he had to be hung? Yeah. 
<laughs> I love that button. It saves my ass. <laughs> All right, boys. So we're starting at the Reign of Terror, where the grand split happens. The first ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Split left Wall without a champion, as if Brock Lesnar, fucking Rock Hogan, Taker, any of these people couldn't be your flagship on Monday Night Raw. All these people jumped to SmackDown, giving us Triple H, the reign of terror, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, of all people, gonna hold this championship and run it to the moon. And not in the greatest scenario you would imagine this championship to have. Um, I mean, this title went through the NWA, it went through WCW, as you know. This big gold belt is not a... It's hard to mistake it for anything else. And we... Uh, <laughs> they just hand this shit to him. Eric Bischoff comes out Monday Night Raw, I believe. I should. I wrote down the date somewhere. I believe. September 2nd, if I'm not mistaken, where he just hands him the belt, no tournament needed or nothing, and uh, he goes on to uh, have a hell of a month and faces RVD at Unforgiven, where an interference by Ric Flair aligns us, and we see the early, earliest stage of evolution here. Rick comes to the ring, grabs a sledgehammer, and stands over Triple H as if he's going to give him the whole razzle-dazzle. And he turns around, and he cracks RVD right in the gut. Triple H just looks at him in this ever-so-ugly-ass crooked-nosed face and just decides that he's going to pedigree him now and stare at Rick and sell the ever-so-shocked face of his opponent from only months ago. And we're off to the race. And Ric Flair even shakes his hand and hands him the belt and says, you're the man. And holds his hand up and makes sure to spin him around the whole room multiple times. And I don't think that, I mean, it may have been, hey, I want you to do this or, hey, you should do this. But it was genuine. You could see it in Rick's face that he knew that he just crowned one of the best champions of all time. And Dude, just like watching over that little like five minutes earlier today, oh man, it just gave me chills all over again. Because I remember hating as a kid. I mean, who didn't want RVD to win the world? Everyone wanted it. Um, so for the next month, we get this awful, awful, terrible feud with Kane that unifies the Intercontinental Championship at the end. Uh, horrible idea. Let's go ahead and uh, ask some questions then. Intercontinental Championship, for it, against it, needs to be higher up. What do you think? Man, Kane, what a guy. <laughs> Corlin, you and I actually had this conversation less than a week ago um, about how really the best pain that you were going to get was like a solid three-star match, and that's about all you're going to get from it. Um, kind of a shittier Big Show, honestly. Like, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, like, 
He did really well, and I mean, that's cool and all. What are you gonna do? That's... Call Glenn Jacobs and tell him to come beat me up? Like he's a fucking mayor. I don't give a shit about that guy. Oh no, I, um, I love the character Kane. I oh, think it's one sure. of the greatest pro wrestling stories ever told. However, Glenn Jacobs tore, you know, he just after three years. Um, he just, just wasn't the best. Like he, yeah, they they. That was a guy. I remember as a kid, like being pissed that they weren't pushing him to the moon. But now I look back and I'm like, wow. Like, we'll get into the Batista match that he had in Armageddon, right? Which is a, a different scenario, just given how long Batista was in WWE for at the time. But um, I, I just don't feel like Kane was a guy that you could bank on. If like a crowd was turning on you, the last guy I'm sending out is Kane. Like Isaac okay. fucking Yank of DDS. Let's fucking go. Good lord. <laughs> I enjoy Kane's work most of the time when it comes to vignettes, promo work, and super short, like, behind-the-scenes attacks, um, non-match stipulation stuff. Um, however, that's not saying that I don't think Kane has had a good match. I think that Kane's in one of my favorite matches of all time. Mm. But people forget that Kane was in the first-ever Elimination Game. That match is one of the most solid as you can get. Um, I mean, other than the fact that, like, you know, it's solid. Yeah. But I, I feel like, I feel like dubbing him, like, the king of three stars is kind of yeah. accurate. Because he's just, sure. it's, it's just like he's, he's solid. But solid. yeah, it's like, there's never, there's, there's never, there's never been like a holy shit, Kane did fucking great. <laughs> like, he never turned the corner. Like, he just never could be that guy. Yeah, he was solid at what he did, but like, even like you said, like, he's in the first elimination chamber, but like, I can't recall a fucking thing he did in it. <laughs> he was there. I appreciate him being there. Yeah, and but, just to quickly retouch on the, uh, on the Ric Flair, you said that he, like, he looked genuine in doing it, but. Wasn't it like a thing that came out where Triple H said that like Rick was pretty much at like the wit's end of his life and he brought him yeah. in to kind of save his life? So, I mean, I think that's probably why you got that genuine part is just because Rick was probably pretty thrilled that somebody came and was like, hey, like, just come with us. Yeah. We got you, you know? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm, if, if I'm thinking correctly, it's the uh, where's Triple H reference that he made to him or where's Rick Flair? Um, Triple H right. walked up to him in the back and just said, "Where's Ric Flair? And this isn't him, and you need to find him." And like, where's Ric Flair? Uh, yeah, let's, so, let's not touch about Ric Flair. Not, hopefully, not on a fucking airplane. That's also, for certain. <laughs> dude, I don't know why I thought. Never mind. Um, Moving on. Also, <laughs> is the unmasking of Kane. Uh, do you think because of Kane's work that towards the end they were like, we got to do something with him before the crowd really turns on it? Yeah, and they just went ahead and pulled the plug? That I was about to say, I was, like, I was like, I think the turning point for like them having to do something with him is when they he changed that mask and he had like the fucking Batman like howl. So it's just like this part of his face and he started talking more. Like the thing I loved about Kane was that he didn't say a fucking word minus like the 
I smoke cigarettes. Fucking I box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, other than that, because that was a failed experiment, like he just stood there. He was like the fucking, he was like a literally a, like a real life Michael Myers. He didn't say a fucking word. He just stared at you and it was great. And then they gave him that and they had him team with fucking RVD, which was like weird, but it still worked. And then they got rid of his mask and then things happened that I don't want to talk about that we're going to have to talk about. <laughs> we're going to get into it, right? But you can say objectively that you didn't like it. But uh, yeah. was that not the best work of Kane's career? That's Bal the arguable point. Bald, multi-contact Kane scared me more than Kane originally. Because yeah, he was I mean, fucking insane. Was, but, I mean, that Kane had a World Heavyweight Championship. That is true. And I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it whatsoever. I thought it was a nice change, and I thought they did really well considering all. I mean, he got to face Mark Henry, made Mark Henry was like a hundred bucks. And I remember that match vividly for an odd reason. Um, but yeah, Kane lost his mask in this. Do you think this is the way that they should have done it? Could there have been a better way? Are you mad that RVD was the guy that catched the blunt end of it? Because as a kid, I was mainly just mad that, that he just did. turned and beat the that shit out of Rob. And I was like, what? I think it was it was an easy choice to use RVD because, like, once again, no one hates him. Everyone loves RVD. He's like an easy baby face. So, like, having him just get that fucking dog shit beat out of him by Kane, it works. Yeah, if you're gonna flip Kane, then you're gonna do it with RVD. Like, there's no tweener bullshit there. Like, if you're gonna flip him to a heel, have him just beat the shit out of RVD at the end of Raw. Like. He came up short again and beats the shit out of RVD. Well, he dropped the championship soon after at Survivor Series in the first ever Elimination Chamber, elimination chamber match. The crowning of HBK happened. Do you think that John taking it from Taker there was the right move? Did you uh, enjoy Sean having the belt? I'll let Pat talk first. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was cool then. Um. I loved Shawn Michaels as a kid. When I look back at it, dude. Like whatever, man. All right. All right. Do you think that uh, do you think it hurt Triple H in this at all, or do you think that he needed more fire to get? The real heelish appeal. Do you think he needed the loss? I think I just think that it, it did tell a pretty good story, right? Of two friends and like the one not being able to win in just a one-on-one -on -one match, which we'll get into with Armageddon. Um, but like having to go through the elimination chamber and four other competitors and you know, going through the whole motion there. Um, and then for Sean and uh, Triple H to come out and put on the second best match of the night at Armageddon the month after. Um, yeah. And what was a pretty fucking awesome 35 minutes or however long it went. Um, it wasn't not enjoyable, but looking back now, it's like, 
Sean's luster was so far gone. Um, and it just felt like they were trying to capitalize on that still. And I think Jerry the King Lawler even says, like, that's Shawn Michaels we see, but is that really the heartbreak kid? Like, is that really who we're going to get? And did yeah. we get that? At times, I mean, it's easy to flash. Like, the splash from the top of the cage was fucking awesome. Um, but did we get much more than that? Maybe not. Um, but if you're going to put somebody in there for Triple H to dance with and get the belt back, why not do it with somebody that he has chemistry with? Thank you. You got anything on Sean's uh, power ring? I just really hated Sean's length of his hair at the time. I don't really know what the fuck it was about it. It's just, it bugged the shit out of me. It was always dry, so he looked like the fucking Starburst Berries and Cream Kid. Like, it's just, it sat weird on him, and I fucking hated it. It was the only thing I remember as soon as he walked out for Armageddon, I was like, God damn it, that fucking hair. Like, <laughs> granted, now he looks like he is straight out of a fucking, like, meth binge. But like, yeah, he's bad, but, but I just, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think because we know what the, the next, like their next match was being at Armageddon and it being the fucking great match that it was like, I feel like him having the title and them going through that. And then, yeah, it pushing triple H to become this like gigantic piece of shit. Like it worked. And I think it's one of those ones where it's like a, like the same thing we just said with like Kane and RVD. It's like, who better than like everyone at the time loved HBK? Like he's the heartbreak kid. Like as soon as it came out with his little fucking dangly boys, you're like, aha, I'm sexy boy. Like <laughs> you dance along with the song. So you're like him beating the shit out of him and like destroying his knee and shit. You're like, this guy's an asshole. Like, <laughs> so I think it was great for what they did with it, but. So immediately following two weeks later, they do a Triple H defeats RVD in number one contender match, and it um, it didn't go over great with a lot of people. A lot of people wanted to move on from Triple H and RVD finally get his shot, especially having the potential of RVD and Sean at Armageddon 2002 would have been. I mean, probably one for the ages. We would be talking about that match right now. And uh, I just feel like uh, what could have been, you know, was really, really something. Um, also, in that, Sean was the special guest referee for that match on the December 2nd edition of Raw. Uh, which, this Reign of Terror brings us to this paper, which is Armageddon. 2002, the notes just keep on going. Do we, do we clap? I don't know. <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Florida. in attendance, and it's believed to be about a $500,000 gate. You have Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler on the raw side of announcing, and you also have Michael Cole with his frosty tips, and for SmackDown. On Heat, Jeff Hardy beat D'Lo Brown, and uh, they did a Brock interview, and uh, that's pretty much it for Heat. Did y'all enjoy Heat, 
or velocity growing up? Oh, man. I remember the only thing that I really – two things that I remember from Heat, right? Boom, S.A. Rios was the Heat master. And then yeah. two, like – I don't remember what pay-per-view it was, but they, like, didn't cut in time, and they had Taz with, like, his notes – and I guess he was holding them down. And he pulled them up, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is fake!" Like that was the moment for me. Sag off of the fucking rail. That's crazy. <laughs> that's how they know. Like, yeah, I'll never forget that. Well, Velocity was cool. Velocity was like the Billy Kidman show. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed Velocity a lot because Billy Kidman and Jamie Noble held that motherfucker down. And then right after Velocity, Confidential would come on with old Mean Gene Okerlund. And it was like a My Cribs of WWE. And uh, Confidential just to me was just so cool because it was 11 o'clock at night. And they were showing some risque shit. Uh, I mean, even for them. Um, that shit was hilarious, man. I, I even have like a best of the Confidential on DVD. I have no That's how much that shit serious. I have no memory of it, so I'll need to borrow that DVD. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got. I have you. no memory. Well, well, to uh, before we jump into the to the actual pay per view, I, I had a few tidbits about it. Um, this was probably the first pay per view that I've gone back and watched in a year and a half, two years. And every time I go back and watch from this era, um, the first thing that pops out to me is like the promo work on like their their promo packages phenomenal yeah. right you had the end by jim johnson which is probably the best pay-per-view song of all time That's um, so oh he was awesome did they do it again they did it a ton during this time but because they used uh, it i think like, they uh, they used it i think for both armageddon and judgment day because it has yeah. like that same feel so they, i think yeah. i think they recycled that song more than once though for like both pay-per-views, but it's a hard fucking song for the the mood that they're setting. Like it's fucking yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, and just like I forgot how good those promo packages were. The presented by Stacker One or whatever the fuck it used to be. Um, all that, yeah, all of it was so sick. Um, and so, so get all that Snickers now. presents. Yeah, <laughs> Raw and SmackDown. With Snickers present, <laughs> and then the big it was so sick. Yeah, I to tag off of that. The first thing I wrote was I miss the overly elaborate fucking entrances. The like yeah. the Armageddon stage, like the fucking King of the Ring one, and like even I think it's like the the. the 2099 with a giant fucking chair like all of those i just miss them so much i I miss it (laughs) don't say oh yeah the fucking swings yeah all of that save money do not get brock back give me fucking stages back i need it i need it (laughs) they're great i'm with that shit so uh the first match is fatal four-way and Jericho and Christian are your world champions. Uh, the first team to go is Dudley Boys. Bubba Ray Dudley is pinned by William Regal after a top rope leg drop by Lance Storm. And the second elimination was to team Storm and Regal. Goldust pinned Regal after a director's cut, which made the match an even two-on-two. Meaning near falls selling on both parties, and we eventually 
get some of the biggest and coolest spots, I think, that we saw from Booker T. Um, just because he was given the opportunity to really, like, uh, where is this at? Sorry, I should have minutes, 43 seconds. Um, so, like, he was given a little bit of time, and he was in it for a, a good portion of it. Um, I really enjoyed Jericho selling in this match. Um, just because, I mean, dude, who else is it that's going to sell like that? Um, <laughs> you know, um, as many year falls and sellers fall parties, Booker pins Jericho with the book in, and we get this crowning. Um, Coach comes out to the aftermath and uh, does an immediate interview outside of the ring. Booker tells Goldust that he's not the weak link. Really cool moment, um, especially for weirdo Goldust fans like myself. Um, I feel like a lot of people didn't like Gold Dust until this happened, or they didn't really understand it, or like, I mean, who really understands it? I don't think I understand Gold Dust fully, you know? <laughs> but I like Not it because it's different. <laughs> um, I feel like it's always stood out. It's the same thing as, like, uh, Gangrel, or having, like, Luna, like you said, for Dark. Like, it always stands out, and it always changes the feel of your match. Like, it doesn't matter what match goes on before it or after it. It's it's one of those personas and gimmicks in entertainment that solidifies the entertainment part. Um, and for a lot of people to start getting gold dust around this time really made me excited growing up because I felt like he finally got his due. Um, I think this is also around the same time that I figured out that he was Dusty Rhodes' son. I think it was like right around then um, when I really started looking into wrestling. Um, so I think it's a really cool moment and a good crowning. Um, let's say y'all. Casey, you got it? Um, so a couple of things to touch on. One, uh, Jericho's facial hair is fucking awful. Just going to say it, that fucking chin thing he had when he was like starting to become like I'm Jericho, but I'm also in Fozzie. Like, that was, it's fucking distracting as shit. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I don't know what the fuck happened in this match, but the eliminations of both uh, the Dudleys and Regal is the biggest clusterfuck I've ever seen in my entire life. Because you not only have a botched pin where... Bubba's own momentum shifts him on top of Regal, and then you have to like awkwardly shift him back off to get the pin. Literally, like a a split second later, Regal and them get eliminated. It was so confusing. The crowd, the crowd was really great for this fucking match, but they got really confused because it was like when Bubba got pinned, it was like a three and a half count, and but it didn't. No one ever knew that he was eliminated because it was like. It was it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's quite literally what I have. Is like for me, the crowd was pretty dead for the first five six minutes of this until the scramble happened. Um, it looked like Bubba got overhooked by Regal, um, and so like he just toppled on top of him. So it's like this weird pin reversal pin with tights. Then Jr. and King were like, "Are they eliminated? Or are they not?" Um, and then there's like 
I don't know if they were trying to sell that. Oh, Lance Storm was like knocked off the like, but that just felt forgettable. It was just like he hits that scoop power slam, and that was the three that left eleven minutes on this match. That really I felt was obviously the big part and the meat and potatoes of the match was after those first two teams were eliminated. But um, it really, it was a blast. I have that uh, Jericho and Christian played the chicken shit heel role like really well, and they tried to cheat at every single corner. But it eventually, I literally have chicken shit heel written. Yeah, it's just they're, the they're so good in it. They're just yeah, so they're good. Really, but after after a little bit, I mean, you had the crowd get into it pretty heavily. Like they were popping pretty loud for yeah. every single kickout and every every other move. So yeah, they were. It was a really cool opening match for sure. I also uh, wrote down: Nick uh, Patrick is the most distracted referee in history. Any yeah, possible man. time he was allowed to be distracted, he was like aggressively distracted. And it made well, me distracted because I was like, "What the fuck is happening, Nick? Turn around!" <laughs> I've uh, I've listened and read a lot about refereeings. I've looked into refereeing myself, so like, uh, I, there's this thing that a lot of people always say is like, "The best referees are the ones that you never see." And every time there is a match, I'm watching Nick Patrick. <laughs> and I, I don't know. If it's because, like, you're just in the wrong fucking place all the fucking time, or, like, or like if I just hate you so much, it's all I see. Like, I, I didn't enjoy the Nick Patrick, Earl Hebner bullshit match, right? So, like, we talked about that. I didn't enjoy it. However, I love the story of a heel referee. I know it breaks down the walls, and it, it does all the shit that everyone said they never wanted to do and don't fucking, you know, whatever. But it gave us a lot of cool spots. It gave us a lot of finishes that pissed us the fuck off that eventually we got a really good outcome. And, I mean, yeah, it may have not been exactly the one everyone wanted, but, like, Nick Patrick got beat up all the time. I think Taker chokeslammed him for, like, too much trait. <laughs> you know, like, he just beat him up all the time. And I don't know, man. Like, I just, Nick Patrick is such a, has anybody got a word for me? Uh, he's just so, really dislikable. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we did a, uh, we get a Brock Lesnar interview that uh, I didn't really write any notes about this. Did any of you? Josh really Matthews tries to catch up with Brock um, just to see what he's feeling, and Brock says, I don't even know who you are, um, which was... He goes, I'm sorry, who the fuck are you? Sorry, <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm Josh Matthews. Yeah, and... Uh, I'm Josh Matthews, I don't care. I'm going to do something real quick, and then I hear that. <laughs> yeah, and he puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, well, Josh, firstly, Brock Lesnar grabbing a man is the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, he's just an intimidating guy, even in fucking 2002. Um, but he says, I'm just here to make an impact. That was pretty much the entire um, segment. It was unfortunately the same fucking promo like the entire night from him. That but like the, the takeaway from it was just him being like, I don't know who you are. And then he's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm I, I'm Josh Matthews. And he's just like, okay. Like, it almost, it almost, <laughs> felt, it almost felt legitimately genuine that he didn't realize a camera was on him. He's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, he's like, I don't know who you are, dude. <laughs> yeah, who let this fan back here? <laughs> yeah, Josh Matthews had to be escorted around all night because he was scared Brock Lesnar was going to whoop his ass. 
<laughs> Real quick before we dive into the next one, I went three stars on that first match. Not that it matters. My opinion is dog shit, but well, I went three. I, was, I enjoyed it a lot. I was going to ask if anyone had rated it. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. I honestly was going to give it like three stars, three and a quarter. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like the the from when it was just the, the a tag match but it just became Christian and, and uh Y2J and Goldust and Booker, like from then on it got the crowd really involved and it like kinda set up for being like from that like ten, eleven minutes or whatever it was, like on, like that crowd was fucking on fire. And it like felt good to start a pay per view with that, so yeah, I I think three to three and a half is fair for it. Yeah, I definitely was between two and a half or uh, two and three quarters and three um, for a two and a half like or two and three quarter star match. Like I'm, I enjoy it, but it's not anything to write home about. And that's kind of where I was at with all four right in in the match because it was just kind of chaotic and everywhere. Uh, and then towards the end, it kind of won me over, so I went three flat on it. Fair. entrance themes to this day, like two decades later hold up Edge coming out of Rob Zombie is fucking awesome, like I don't care who you are it was just, it, it felt big, like it felt like a big match, not because A-Train's theme is dog shit like, it's one of the worst things I've it's ever It's so weird, cause he has the train bit, and it sounds kinda cool and then it's like, pick your character's entrance song from 2K <laughs> and you're like, it makes right. no fucking sense but then, yeah, like, why the fuck is Edge allowed to have, like, back-to-back banger fucking entrances? Yeah. He's got and Rob this, Zombie, and then he's got You Think You Know Me afterwards. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, this fit him so well. And you have, like, the strobe light thing going on. It just was, like, the perfect Edge theme song. Like, it holds up two decades later. Um, the match itself, I, I had it written down as a fine one. I went... Um, a little lighter than I would have, but I, I don't think it was a dud. I think the finish was fucking atrocious. Yeah. Um, I had it just ending rather anticlimactically with uh, A-Train hitting Edge with a chair for the DQ. Um, and then the only other thing that I have written down in all caps, chair shot to the cranium, what a time to be alive. Yeah. I have, yeah. Two, I have, him. I have yeah. two notes, and I will read them exactly. <laughs> I wrote, we get it. Albert has a lot of body hair. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole match, everyone just kept talking about it. And I'm like, I have back hair too. So it makes me feel subconscious that everyone's like, shave your back. I'm like, bitch, shut up. Like, it's just, it is how it is. Leave the man alone. And the other thing was Jesus in all caps, that chair shot. Because he hit Albert so fucking hard. And I felt so bad. Like I was, I was working at the time and I stopped. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah, that's one yeah. of those chair shots that you wonder, like, are y'all just doing a hell of a headshot just because, like, you know, this crowd, I want you to at least remember something from this match? Or do you think this is a receipt headshot? Uh, do you think you gave him a stiff one and he was like, fuck you, and just fucking lays in one? Albert's always been, like, known as a really nice and respectable guy. I don't know if there was yeah, like, yeah. any malintent, right? That's what I was thinking, too. But when yeah, I saw this chair shot, I was like, 
it almost yeah, kind of it almost kind of felt like didn't. one of those ones where it was like just a perfect shot to where like he got it to where it opened and everything so like it might it's i mean like it's a chair shot to the fucking head. You can't that knock was... it as being light, but like it almost felt like it was like just a perfect shot to where like it probably like didn't cut him open or anything. Just it sounded brutal. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a chair shot to pop the boys in gorilla. Like he fucking laid <laughs> into it, man. I went two and a quarter on it. I rated every match. Like I said, I did it like I just did a review. So um, I went two and a quarter. I just hated that the finish. Just felt so meh to me. Yeah, we get a DQ finish here, and then Edge somehow miraculously gets the chair after being attacked with it, and just lights, lights a trainer. I think seven hits is what I have down. It's somewhere. It's like seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, um, I have it, and beats him down with the chair until it's bent to hell and back, is what it says. <laughs> yeah, dude, he fucking beat his ass. Um, so Jesus. Like, we get like a little early tidbit. I mean, we don't really see it. I don't, we don't see it coming for fucking miles, but we get a little bit of Rated R Superstar in this fight. He's got that, he got that fucking look in his he eye got afterwards. That little bit of rage yeah. in yeah, that, that fire for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. It's just like, little early stages of Rated R Superstar. Um, yeah, I didn't rate this match high, I'm gonna be honest. I believe I gave it like a star and three quarters. Because mm. uh, it I'm going to give you your star for effort. You know, I always try. Um, I didn't enjoy the finish. Honestly, anything with A-Train really was hard for me to watch. I think that he is a phenomenal coach. I think that people have nothing but great things to say about him. But as a wrestling fan, it never got over with me. Yep. Uh, and not saying that his work wasn't always solid or that he wasn't always taking care of somebody or, you know, this or that, but it just never resonated with me well. He's um, like a bigger Al Snow. Or like fundamentally solid motherfucker. But yeah, like exactly. he like it for like uh like pure fundamentals, he's solid. But like never did anything that was like oh I like should any, give a fuck about you. Yeah, because like if you look at it, if you look at all of Al Snow's history like, I had said it to these guys the other day, like, last week or whatever, like, he never blew you away. His matches were okay at best, but, like, you can't say, like, from an in-ring, like, just from a moveset, he was a solid motherfucker. That's why he's a great coach now. But, yeah, like... <laughs> we're not about to shit on Lord Tensai on my fucking watch, fellas. <laughs> Don't you start your shit. <laughs> Uh, Lord. All right. Uh, well, yeah, also Lord with this match, I forgot to mention, uh, Michael Cole is selling that edge for his MCL, but not bad enough for him to need surgery. And that is why the leg is being worked on in this match. Um, oh, it's, it's two matches in this entire card where legs being worked on, but you don't fucking notice that it's being worked on because they don't hobble. Yeah. Yep. He hits a pretty good spear in that match, and you don't fucking notice yeah, that his he, knees he hurt. <laughs> yeah, but then the the chair shot for the DQ is actually hit on his leg, like it's uh, hit yeah. on the right. So that's where they went with that. There. All right. Well, we have a uh, uh, we have a big show promo in front of me. And uh, did anybody write anything down for this promo? Yeah, Paul Heyman. Uh, they come backstage. They're right outside of Big Show's locker, and. Uh, 
It's Paul Heyman pleading with Big Show to stay in the locker room as he goes to talk to Stephanie McMahon about business and the disrespect being shown to their champion, um, which set up a really fun segment later on and truly one that I did enjoy from Paul Heyman. I think it was a really, really awesome segment that we'll get to. Um, but the next card, or the next match on the card is my asterisk, um, which was the Eddie Guerrero Chris Benoit match. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're here. We have Eddie and Benoit, 16 minutes, 47 seconds. Meltzer gave it three and three quarters of a star. So he thought highly of it. Um, it. Just great sequences from the start. I feel like it's really hard to just jump through the chunk of this match without talking about how good these two are. Um, I mean, from jump. Like, the second that bell rings, you're seeing professional wrestling. And yeah, I have written down that the crowd didn't like it at jump. And I get that a lot of WWE fans are more into the entertainment or fast action that is that promotion. Um, but as a pro wrestling fan, I'd rather have a collar and elbow tie-up last 45 seconds. I don't see why rushing the initial anything is, like, if you're telling a story, you paint it. And I feel like Eddie and Chris really painted a story that everyone at home and anyone watching it can get without having to deal with commentary or with, you can put that on mute and you know exactly what they're doing and what they're heading at. And Exactly. And I just, I had to go in with just starting with that. Would anyone like to uh, put in their two cents in this? Okay, so you want to give, uh, you want to give Pat the floor right quick? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't want to sound too deep, but uh, I think matches like this are kind of like bigger than the match itself. You're watching Eddie really fucking sad watching this shit, man. Give me the floor and you fucking go into this bullshit. (laughs) Never again. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an amazing match, dude. Yeah. To, like, touch on something that that Cartland said, but I think I might just be giving Fort Lauderdale more praise than you are. I don't necessarily think they weren't on board. Like I, like I looked at the crowd anytime they panned to them. No one's fucking like leaving. It's not like a piss break. Like no one's thinking like that. I think a lot of people were just watching, kind of in awe of like how like fundamentally sound these wrestlers are, and they were wa- they were like just watching the match and then not being like, we need to chant or we need to cheer because I don't think anyone hated either person a lot. Like there was some boo chants for like Eddie and stuff throughout. But like ultimately, like for most of that match, everyone just kind of felt, felt like they were like glued to that ring. But once yeah, again, it, I could just be giving Fort Lauderdale, Florida, way too much credit. For so. sure, yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, from the opening bell, they just meticulously beat the shit out of each other. Um, the pacing was the best of any match on the card. Um, they had that really, they had the awesome, awesome set, like sequence of like it felt like back and forth suplexes like the Germans that turned into like 
that beautiful uh like suplex from suplex. Eddie. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so many suplexes. Yeah, it was awesome. That vertical um, suplex. That vertical I, suplex there's nothing. Amazing. I, it's damn near a brain buster from Eddie Guerrero. Like it's yeah. so so snappy and clean. Um Chavo came down and did his little heel bullshit, but when he got knocked off Dude, the uh, No, 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 no. Hold Chavo on. Chavo, Chavo Guerrero <laughs> ran at full speed and hit Chris Benoit with his title belt. Bro, he came running down the ramp like a kid in a like in a candy store with his belt just like this, just like smashing the back of the head. And you're like, oh man, we only knew what would happen. You, ah, Jesus oh. Christ! It's your fault, Chavo. You were the one that got the last ball. Um, he <laughs> got the ball rolling, man. That's why y'all did left. If y'all didn't notice. Go back and rewatch when, like, Chavo gets knocked off the top rope. He yeah. pops himself no. off the top rope, jumps, and does <laughs> I had to pause the whole show and laugh about that for a minute. It was so fucking funny. So ridiculous. Um, yeah, it just, uh, I just had it as advertised, a stiff, fast, hard-hitting contest. And this was the exact same length of match as the opening tag. Um, but it felt like this just flew by and time stood, like, stood still. It was a really unique thing. I also have written down that uh, you, you touched on it, the sequence that they did. Benoit gave Eddie five straight Germans, climbed to the top turnbuckle and noticed that he was moving again and hopped down and gave him two more. Yeah. I mean, dude, who's doing that now? You know? Yeah, that felt like a... That felt like a, a call on the fly from Eddie. It was like, this took too long, buddy. Like, in real life, I'm moving. So it just felt like a really cool moment of realism and, like, in the suspended belief of, like, professional wrestling. So said, no, um, stay went, down. <laughs> yeah, right. I went, um, God bless. Meltzer went three and a half and then three and three quarters on this one. What? I went four and a quarter. I loved it. I thought it was just a masterpiece. Um, right. And still wasn't the best match that they've ever had. So, um, I man, gave it four stars with a little side note. Uh, do y'all think that Chavo was the component of this match? Do you think that they needed an interference or a run-in to uh, make Eddie hated more? Um, did were you against it being like you know just in general Chavo's run-in? How do you feel? I didn't hate it. In 2021, not necessary, right? Looking back on it, but at the time, did we know that Eddie and Chris Benoit were going to be like the faces of the company in just a few years? No, I don't think that there was really that sense of it. So, um, I think they were just trying to get people paid and get people time on, you know, pay per views. So, um, I don't hate it looking at it now, like objectively again. I will say before we before we move on, it started at the beginning of the match. It fucking irritates me that it doesn't happen anymore. But, like, Michael Cole, like, at the beginning and kind of throughout, made sure people knew that whoever won this match was going to get it was like in line to get a title shot later on. And, like, I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but, like, I legitimately hate the fact that we don't have number one contender matches anymore. This one wasn't technically one of those, but, like, they hinted at the fact that, like, Whoever wins this is going to be kind of like 
second or third in line to get that title shot. And now we just have like, who's the biggest star we can get to come back to challenge this guy again for the fucking title. Like, like, ah, (laughs) yeah. And then Taz made a quick comment. I actually didn't write it down, but it's, it obviously came to mind when you mentioned Michael Cole. Firstly, fuck Michael Cole. He's a jabroni. Has me blocked on Twitter. Um, <laughs> what the, really? what the fuck did you, you say to Michael Cole? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want me to show you? Hold on, I got you. Um, <laughs> while, while I'm pulling this piece of shit up, uh, Taz, Taz said something along the lines of, I want everybody to pay attention at home because this is two of the best in, like, in between those ropes in that ring that I have ever seen in my life. And I feel like in 2002, did I really enjoy it that much as for what it was? No. Um, but looking back, man, did Taz hit the nail on the head there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Holy shit. Uh, CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, CM Punk has me blocked. That's a uh-huh. story for uh, not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up. Alright, well, uh, I gave that match four stars. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, like you said, I don't think it's the best match that they had. However, I think it was obviously the best match on the card, and I probably would have gave it that as a kid. Um, I, even then, I probably would have given it that, or did give it that, even including the main event. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember that match very well. I barely wrote any notes about it just because I've, I've gone back and revisited every one of their matches. Yeah. I, at least every one I can find. Um, up next, I can't remember if there's... Is there a uh, segment here? There's, so there's two segments. Um, so this is the second part of the Paul Heyman-Stephanie McMahon segment. Um, yeah. Stephanie says something along the lines of, I love Chris Benoit. And then Paul Heyman comes in and says, I do too. Um, Stephanie cuts Paul off as she expects him to give him flack about Brock's suspension being lifted, something that we haven't touched on. Brock Lesnar was suspended for whooping Big Show's ass. That's um, great. Smacked him. Uh, yeah, yeah, they eventually show it in like the, the promo package. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, man, did he beat the shit out of Big Show then. Um, she stands by her decision and says there's nothing Paul can do about it. Paul pleads his case, but McMahon says they'll both have to see what Brock's big impact will be. And if it's him being in Kurt Angle's corner, then, well, that's his decision to make. Paul says, okay, it was great doing business with you, and he comes off camera to come back in camera. And this is kind of the heat that you get from Paul Heyman. Um, He says, if he is in Kurt Angle's corner, well, Big Show's just going to have to break Brock Lesnar's neck, which, like, 20 years ago... That's a wild yeah. statement to make. I, I remember this segment being somewhere, and I was like, I bet you it's, it, it's somewhere in here. Um, yeah. I forgot to put all my notes in one thing, so it's somewhere in one thing. Um, uh, what was the next segment following oh, that? Yes, Casey, please. Oh. <laughs> this is the Don Marie showing what happened in the hotel room segment. Yeah, and I, uh, holy I didn't shit. write a single thing for this. That's why I don't remember. But I the, just watched all of it. The uh, the I first line of my notes I wrote was the quoting Don Marie was Tori might have enjoyed it. I was like, but I watching this back, I sure as shit didn't. It's bad. 
so bad. Um, literally, the entire thing is just you overhear Michael Cole and Taz being way too horny on national television. Yeah, I said while Don's talking, you can if you listen real closely, you can actually yeah. hear uh, Jerry the King Lawler pumping lotion into his hand. <laughs> um, it, it's you gotta listen for it. It's there though. Um, but yeah, it basically goes back and forth with like them showing a small segment of it and then she cuts it off and then she tries to show a little bit more, but then fucking Al Wilson pulls the biggest heel turn of the century and is like, I don't want to watch this anymore. anymore. And I've never heard a motherfucker get booed so aggressively yeah, in a stadium before. Was ready to whoop a 62 year old. There was, there was a lot of. <laughs> Of adolescent teens and early twenty year olds that were like, uh, I have a boner and I need to do something with it and Al's fucking this up for me. Um and then yeah, basically this it just I I also wrote that I was like, this feels like the female equivalent of Cole and Heidenreich. It just felt wrong the whole fucking time I watched it. Like <laughs> it just like it was so uncomfortable because I'm also just like it's a it's a grown woman forcing another grown woman to do something while her fucking father watches it. Like it was so fucking weird and awful. And then also I was like all I was like in my brain I'm like why did we have to do this? And then I have fucking Vince going lesbians, and I'm just like that's the reason why. Like that's the whole reason behind it. It makes no fucking sense. But eventually. I, mentally, I, mentally, uh, she comes up to a hotel room, right, knocks on this door, no one answers, she puts the key in, opens the door herself, and you get Don Marie laying, or like, half laying on the bed, sitting on the bed, you know, holding her fucking champagne and shit, and it's just like, the first thing you see is Don Marie, and she depressed, and dude, that is the grossest shit. Like, yeah. I'm not putting nothing of mine near that. Why do you think, why do you think Tori was so upset? It's her dad <laughs> we're talking about here, bro. But yeah, it basically. You don't love your dad. Yeah, and she's like, which, yeah, it's. Like, yeah, it was well, weird sexual coercion. It was just. She didn't say anything. This whole segment, Tori Wilson says, Zilch, bro. A fucking word. All Domery. Also, during the entire segment, and then at the end, Don keeps referring to Tori Wilson as a sexual predator. Yeah. <laughs> and she said it so many times that I literally wrote, I don't think Don Marie knows what a sexual predator means. <laughs> because A... Uh, in this particular situation, you are. Um, and B, like, it's not a, I, I don't know if she means it as a compliment or if it is supposed to be like derogatory towards Tori, but either way, like, you're not in the fucking ballpark of that being the appropriate word in this situation. And it was just, it was bad. The whole thing was bad. I wish we never had to fucking watch it. And then as soon as it's over and they're walking away, you then it cuts to, to cuts to cuts to King like being like, "What the fuck, bro?" He, he like looks down at his cross. He literally says, "I can't stand up." So good.
he he literally is just like he's like al is a thing he basically cuts a promo on al and then is like i can't stand up like and it goes on it gets kind of like washed over because jr starts talking so you don't really like super catch it but I'm like, he, I'm like, this motherfucker literally was masturbating back there on the table. <laughs> like, that's why JR in 2021 is not that good as a commentator is because for two decades, he had to fucking cover up Jerry the King Lawler's worthless ass. His brain yeah. is just fucking like, I can't anymore, guys. He's like, pronouns. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got Vince being like, shut him the fuck up. <laughs> is it Quiet. 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 <laughs> The one thing that stuck out to me is when Tori puts the key card in the door, she never yeah. hits the handle of the door. She just pushes the door open, which insinuates she didn't have to use the key card in the first place. Okay, um, well, now you're stuck just... stuck out to me as, as some silly shit. Have you uh, been in a hotel before? Sometimes those keys don't fucking work, so they probably did it four fucking times. And they're like, you know, just leave the door kind of open. Fuck it. <laughs> and I'm sure they only wanted to do this scene once. I get only one. No, I it. hope that they didn't. I hope they had to do it a bunch of times. It, and Jerry's oh, just sitting there the like, yeah! I, I don't know how many times they did it or if they only did it once, but I mean, dude, you see the, the cameraman's shadow the whole time. <laughs> and I know that's one of Bruce's and Vince's biggest pet peeves. They want you to feel like you're in that room, not a dude just holding Better it. Lighting, pal. You're the cameraman. Hello? Um, <laughs> you're recording it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I see it for the production value of it, and uh, I, mean, I mean, we're here critiquing it, so I'm looking well, at it with yeah. From a production standpoint, having one light in the way back at the bar and like two fucking candles isn't exactly fucking ideal lighting for a fucking promo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty nauseous that we spent more than ten minutes talking about this awful fucking segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave me the floor, and I'm going to fucking talk about it, because I had to watch it. (laughs) I didn't want to fucking watch it. It It's bad then, it's bad now. Such gun shit. Gun shit. Fucking lesbians, everyone loves them. Lesbians. Uh, Love it. Okay. Anywho. (laughs) Moving on. The fourth match, we have Kane and Batista. Batista's with Ric Flair. He's locked up early in the middle of the ring, and uh, there's a lot of power moves, shoulder blocks, uh, typical Ric Flair interference. Uh, the match doesn't uh, hold a lot of weight on this card. Um, it was given a dud by Meltzer at six minutes, 38 seconds. Um, yeah. Rightfully so. so. I will say, I do have written down that... Uh, Batista picks up Kane, and you see him kind of struggle a little bit, but then you see Kane immediately after just, like, throw his ass up, like, super calmly, like, not shaking or anything, and I was like, that's a strong motherfucker, good job. (laughs) You forget sometimes how strong Kane is until he's in front of another big guy that's trying to show strength. And he's like, yeah, yeah, y'all forget, I've been throwing Mark Henry up my shoulder forever. Like, it's it's really impressive. But other than that, uh, a, a rather stale match. I don't think I would have gave it a, a done. Uh, what what say you, Patrick? What'd you go with this? Uh, Mike, 
Where'd you go with on this? Uh, I gave it. I gave it a star and a half. Okay, that's what I went. Um, this match was seven months to almost to the day um, since Batista debuted in WWE. Isn't this his first uh, pay per view? This is like, yeah, this is so a they, big deal. So they, they quote it as his pay-per-view debut, but I, w- I wanted to fact check with you guys if you knew because he technically had been in prior, but I don't I don't know if they're trying to quote it as like his like first, It's if it's just his first one as Batista or if it's his first oh. debut in general. Like I, they just kind of fucking like nonchalantly said it. And I was like, he was yeah. like, he was Deacon Batista for like a good second before this. So yeah. They yeah, just I don't know split if he ever had like a match on a pay per view as yeah. much as he would come out with Devon as the manager or you know yeah money you think they made up. off of those uh, those tithing boxes every week like over under probably fifty <laughs> to a hundred bucks right <laughs> you had to have some moron ass marks like oh my yeah here's fifty money <laughs> um. Yeah, I had the scary moment when Batista went for a sit out power bomb, which Fuck. wasn't called the Batista bomb at this moment, and Kane yeah. almost fucking breaks his neck on it. Literally, yeah. Um, that, yeah. yeah, again, that had some boost from the crowd. They um, they tried to play it yeah. off as if like yeah. he was kind of tired or hurt, but like the whole crowd was like, mm, "Nope, you fucked that up, buddy." And we we're yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> yeah, this match uh, it just felt flat, out of whack, and it was forgettable at best. Uh, the best part of this entire thing is me remembering that Batista has like a tribal sun tattooed over his belly button. Hell the yeah. worst fucking thing I'll ever see. In my Still life. has it. <laughs> it's awful. Makes no sense. That motherfucker has. That, he has Marvel Disney money, and that fucker hasn't gotten that covered up or removed. That means insane. He fucking that. Insane. Yeah. I am. Do you guys think that uh, it's just a simple clash of styles, or just two big guys that don't really work great with other big guys? I, I just think it was so fast that, like, to put Batista in a spot like that, like he really did learn on the job a ton, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And this, it just showed, like, it really made me appreciate Batista's run because he really developed so fast. Um, and got much better, much quick, like you know, as, as quickly as he did, right? Yeah. Um, but man, this was hot ass cheeks on a fucking summer day. Like, <laughs> yeah. I I was definitely kind of tossing it up as like he was still really new, so like you kind of have that like he's a fucking physical specimen, but like yeah, ultimately like eh, probably should have. Should have given him a little bit more backstage help before we got him out there. And I think also they were just trying to get the crowd back on their side after that dog shit train wreck that happened right beforehand. Do you remember what I said to you earlier with, uh, yeah, when you lose the crowd, who's the last fucking person to get out there? <laughs> good get old. Out there, like, it's, <laughs> it's not a good look. You need a good pick me up. Diesel 2, <laughs> you got this, buddy. It was fucking bad. Um, if you want to be there, you better, yeah. Right? After that, you get a, a... They did a lot of match backstage, match backstage, and I forgot how often they did that. A lot. Um, they yeah. cut backstage to see Kurt Angle talking with Funaki, looking for Brock Lesnar's locker room. I'm a one. The reason, I'm, the reason I'm talking about this is because I want this next one, goddammit. I was, uh, was going to toss it to you, so... Yes, I need it. 
John Cena and B Squared come out on stage and Cena busts out an acapella rap. B Squared, what a fucking name. Word life. <laughs> John Cena is easily the greatest white rapper of all time. <laughs> Top two. I mean, it's Eminem and Dante. Yeah. <laughs> we're at. That's, That's what it. Given. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Logic. Oh. You're number three, dog. We got fucking John Cena. John Cena. I mean, he's pulling up. He's freestyling people for kayfabe. Like, I don't have a problem with that. It's <laughs> it's it also it also <laughs> made zero fucking sense for him to be on that card. He just came out. I feel like he could have used the beat. I don't know why he had to go acapella. Like <laughs> he was adamant that he wanted acapella. He, yeah, he he did not. He was like, "I am not starting until you shut this fucking music off." And then yeah, I fucking good old Bull Buchanan just sitting there with fucking ice on his neck. Like I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I was a and I didn't know all of that work today. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this last night right before I went to bed. I got out the shower like 20 minutes before we, we went live with this. And I still was laughing about the name B squared and how fucking dumb he was. What? He whole 24 hours of me giggling about it. It's like bling Buchanan. Is, it's, some, it's bling bling Buchanan is what it is or some dumb shit, dude. Bro, he says it in the rap and I was like, that... Yeah. That's not real, right? And I was like, no, that's okay. That's what we went with. That's it was like Bling Buchanan, and that's why he's B squared. Or it was fucking bad, dude. Oh, oh. All right. Well, we've on uh, one got uh... <laughs> no words. Before we dive into this, <laughs> <laughs> before we dive into this. this women's triple threat match, 4 minutes 28 seconds. He gave it a dud. And you got Victoria as champion and Jacqueline and Trish Stratus as challengers. Now, I'm not saying that this is the best match ever put forward. Um, but given your time frame and that era of women's wrestling, I mean, it wasn't forefronted a lot of time. So they didn't get a lot of screen time. They didn't get a lot of learning where they needed to, or a lot of people gave a shit for them to actually wrestle. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed this match. I'm going to be real. I don't think, uh, I think Victoria is a super underrated ring general. And just wherever she is, she controls it. And even, I believe in this match, she takes a rough fall or like catches one to the head and she's still at her next spot in 10 seconds, and you can see her take the bump, roll out, remember she has to do this spot, and she runs all the way around the ring, makes sure to have that belt ready, and the camera catches her, and it's not 100% her fault. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it technically, that was a super wide hard camera for this event, um, and I noticed that early in the uh, turning it on. But overall, I think that other than the really rough satisfaction um, and that half-ass Charles Robinson not seeing a whole-ass belt, um, 
Yeah. You leave during Charles Robinson ball. alone. I love him. He's I a love saint. Lil Ray. Uh, <laughs> I love Lil Ray. But, uh, yeah, we love Charles Robinson around here. He's no Mike Kyoto, but he's no. Um, you enjoyed this match. I did. I did as well. I did as well. The first thing I have in my notes is, man, I wanted to enjoy this. Um, I, the, the pacing. That's why we're here. Hey, you know what? We're allowed to disagree, I suppose. Uh, the now. pacing was breakneck from the jump, and it wasn't a good like thing to say about it. Um. Trish got all of the offense in, which was, like, just bizarre to see. Um, but the thing that pissed me off about it, in fact, angered me to the point of wanting to turn it off, was how the commentators were like, yep, Jackie, she could beat up guys way back when, and she still can. And what does she lose to? A fucking splash in the corner? Eat me! Bullshit. Yeah. She hit Jackie with a, Trish hits Jackie with a splash in the corner, but Victoria hits Trish with the championship, steals the pinfall to retain. I went one and a quarter, and that was a fucking stretch for me. I was exhausted watching this. It felt way too long for what it was. It was just terrible, which uh, bummed me out. Ah, I wanted damn. to enjoy it. Okay, well. Y'all can enjoy it, please. So, okay. Okay, just from a pure argumentative standpoint, that match... With the Cena rap, Kane and Batista, and the Tory Don segment, yeah. I was just happy to have something to where like they were doing something, and like there was a couple of rough moments, and it wasn't like the best fucking match, but like I think I was just happy that it wasn't like the last like twenty or so minutes worth of shit I just watched, and like the only the th- the main the two biggest things that got me were. The amount of times that uh, Victoria was called a Jezebel, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it was, it was Jezebel, that fucking Jezebel, Jezebel, Sassafras. Um, also, I don't know if you, if anyone caught this, but for almost the entire, at least first half of that match, maybe even almost all of it, you can hear a full blown fucking conversation in the stands next to that yeah. camera. There's a full conversation happening. It's not like super like clear, but you can hear other people talking that are not commentators. And they're just like chatting it up and it was so distracting to me. It happened a couple of other times where like if there was like a lull, you can kind of hear it, but that match in particular, it was like just in the background the whole fucking time. And I was like, who the fuck is not catching this? Like, where is fucking done at being like, shut the fuck up? Like, at one point I have written up that, uh, that I heard the crowd reaction or not crowd reaction, but I heard someone talking. I thought they were responding to the commentators right behind the commentary table because it sounds, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, they said something and it, whatever the person not on a mic said, sounded like he was responding directly to him. That almost might, that might have been it. I don't know. It was Um, mildly distracting though because it happened in that match and I was like, I was also just happy that it was a triple threat match to where you didn't have the like, 
this person got kicked in the gut and it's always like not to be mean but it happens a lot in female matches where one will just sit in the corner or they'll be laying on the ground outside of the ring for 85 percent of the match and then it's like this should have just been a one-on-one match and then they come in randomly like, oh i forgot you were even fucking here like at least all three were kind of constantly yeah, in the match but then yeah it also did feel weird that they're like Jacqueline's strong Jacqueline beats up dudes and she got her fucking ass beat from bell to bell. Did you expect more out Jacqueline's run in WWE? Um, yeah. But I mean, we all yeah. obviously did. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I was always waiting for it. Yeah, it's a shame yeah. that that never really happened. And I, I, however, I am glad that Jazz did get that. Um, she did get solidified. She absolutely deserved the world title. I really would have enjoyed Jacqueline getting the same praise that Jazz does. Um, yeah. Next up, we have Brock Lesnar alone backstage watching uh, Paul Heyman turn on him in the loss of his championship. And he's just standing there. Yeah. And This was the uh, segment where, where Kurt Angle walked in on him, right? Yeah. Angle yeah. walked in and was like, I need you to give me a clear-cut answer. What's your big big surprise, right? And Lesnar was like, if you want me in your corner, I can't guarantee it. And so Angle has just like this shitty VHS tape that he definitely recorded, which yeah. like yeah, yeah. pops it in as old-ass fucking TV. Now, this is 2002, and you're still using CRT TVs. We haven't had flat screens forever, motherfuckers. Um, and uh, he pops it in. He's like, I need some clarification one way or the other. Um, and then he just walks away as he watches in like what was perfect quality. I mean, this shit was like as good a quality as you were gonna find. And you just see Brock like getting pissed. He's ready to go beat up Josh Matthews again. Like he's just fucking. <laughs> Where was that child at? I'm gonna go fuck yeah, him up. <laughs> ready to kill him. Oh uh, god. Oh, oh man. So uh, next match is we have. For the WWE Championship, the Big Show against Kurt Angle. Big Show has lined himself with Paul Heyman. Um, we touched on that briefly. Angle was uh, taken down early by Big Show and countered and got Big Show in a head scissors. Angle battled back as he hit Big Show with a sidewalk slam. Angle got Big Show in a sleeper hold and down to the mat for some mat-based wrestling. Big Show reversed the hold and flipped Angle to the mat. Angle fought back and kicked Big Show in the face once. Went up to the rope. I have that. Angle took a nasty spill to the outside uh, in one of the uh, spot in this match. I believe he goes upside down, kind of in the rope, and like his ass in is stuck on the second rope, and his feet touch the top rope, and he kind of just like like slides down. Um, and that that's definitely a rough spot. Um, other than that. Other than a really good missile drop kick F and Kurt Angle just trying to <clears throat> hold a big show championship match together. Um it, it's hard to give this anything above two stars, in my opinion. Um I don't really like A Train just you know, just running out again after you just had a dud ass match. And then within immediately after this run in, um, we get Brock 
which is a cool blazer. little yeah it's we get you know the future what we knew was already going to happen solidifying it even more we're getting brock's big show um and moving forward is it how weird is it for y'all to see brock lesnar without paul Heyman? brock I have written down that, that shit is weird Brock mouthing you motherfucker to Paul is the greatest. Yeah, it was. It wasn't really. It was an audibly like loud, but you heard. You saw him go. You motherfucker, (laughs) and chase after Paul is the best part of this match. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Heyman was certainly the best part of the match entirely. Uh, I have written down uh, Angle damn near kills Paul Heyman on the outside, which popped me big. I actually like pushed myself up out of my seat. I was like, oh shit, Paulie's dead! Like, um, <laughs> Save the ponytail! Yeah, had me super excited. Uh, A-Train with the nastiest backbreaker on Angle, it literally folded his ass in half. Yeah, I had that written down too. It was a really good backbreaker for, for yeah. A-Train. I, mean, I, I get why Kurt was Perk Angle for a long time because he took bumps like that. That thing fucking looked miserable. Oh, it fucking hurts to be reminded about that. God. I'm also just going to throw out there, why didn't he do, wasn't it the fucking derailer was his finisher? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't get it in either match. You did. You got did, I get, did they get an edge match? Okay, Absolutely. I just like the derailer. I don't know. I like him doing it, so I was like, it felt would have been nice, but that backbreaker was fucking brutal. Yeah, and then Obviously, you have Lesnar come out. You hit that five on Big Show. I thought it was cool that there was no other moves after that. Like, Big Show yeah, stayed down. That, it yeah, made Brock really Lesnar look like a monster. Um, they, I mean, they I really, was, at that time, were really letting people know, like, you get hit with an F5, you're fucking done. It was super like you, then. It didn't matter who, it didn't matter if you were the Big Show or anyone. That's a, that's a, that's a big fucking big show at yeah, the time too, and he just fucking yeets him like it's yeah. it is not a problem. So like, yeah, that was understandable. Like, no, you got fucking F five. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only person that kicked out of the F five was if I'm or the first person or the only was the Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell match. Fair, and then he immediately gives him another one, and that's the end. Yeah, but I remember that being like, holy shit, he kicked out. Holy shit! Sorry to cut you off there, Cortland. For some reason, Casey's computer just decided to stop recording the podcast for us, um, so we lose a little bit of our conversation, but not too much. Um, right now, I'm going to jump you guys right to where we started to give our reviews on the Kurt Angle Big Show WWE Championship match from Armageddon. Yeah, I went two and three quarters on it. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't think there was anything that I was going to write home about or revisit later on, but I had cool moments. Um, And, of course, you get a a fucking stereotypical 2002 WWE ref bump um, in a a major match. The three biggest takeaways besides Brock Motherfucker that I had to write down where it was weird to me that the champ came out first. Yep. It's always sure. weird for me, unless it's like a, unless it's WrestleMania, the super elaborate fucking entrance champ comes out first, bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. Two big show in jeans. It's awful. Anyone, anyone. It's <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. that It's good. You hate Paul White. I kind of hate Paul White. 
I'm buying you a Paul White hoodie for Christmas. Eat shit. No more BS. <laughs> I think I actually still have. I don't know if I have it or not. I got to go back through my list again, but I might actually have the like the giant galoob from fucking WCW. And I'll just give it to you because, like, also just like, how big are those fucking pants? He's wearing like cargo pants. He, no, he's wearing black fucking Levi pants. They're just straight up jeans, and it's kind of disrespectful. You're in the ring with a fucking Olympic gold medalist, and you can't put on ring attire. You're wearing pants. Yeah. Also, there was a USA chant. Yeah, yeah, and they even acknowledge it on commentary. They're like, "Yeah, we're just—I guess it's Florida that people are just." Yeah, Taz was like, "He was like, they're chanting USA, but I'm pretty sure Big Show's also American." And yeah, I fucking (laughs) fucking hate Florida. (laughs) Fucking idiots. Uh, So we get Kurt Angle crowned the WWE champion here. Uh, Do you are you marking that? uh, Big Show is just a transitional champion. Do you think that they tried and it just didn't work? Big yes to both. Yeah, I, I think Big Never. Show was always kind of the transitional champion. Mm-hmm. Like Big Show was whatever Vince really needed him to be, um, which is yeah. why he was as utilized as he was. Um, even if I, I, Vince didn't, even if Vince didn't hate Paul, which we know he did, especially at this time. Paul Heyman's one of the best goddamn managers we've ever had. Ever have, ever will have. And we couldn't get shit out of Big Show with Paul Heyman. Like, you're you're telling me you have that caliber of talent managing this big motherfucker and he comes out in jeans. I just, it's gonna bug me till the day I die. Like, I don't know. Well, uh, moving on, we have uh, Rob Van Dam in WWF, WWE, wherever they are right now. WWE the world, world in Times Square. Dressed the world, brother. And uh, he's uh, having a great time as every wrestler who goes there for a pay-per-view instead of being on a match. Uh, yep. Looks so enthused to be there. Yep, he looked um, like his shirt was on backwards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know he he, uh, he might have spent a little too much time in the green room before yeah, that match yeah, so there is a strong possibility that that man might have put on a shirt backwards fuck it uh, that's like the only uh, thing I could think of he just looked boxy and his shirt was like up here it was fucking weird. he looked like he did not want to be a part of that though he looked no. very written down for it is that he, Jay, that's all. There's no one I want to see get beaten up more than Triple H. You yeah, know, that whole ordeal. Um, but this is what we're here for: the reign of terror, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, three stages of hell. And does anyone want to begin with anything before uh, we start uh, this feud? Before we jump into that last like little tidbit on the RVD at WWE World, the only guy that you could really see that was there, like front row, right in front of RVD, was like the happiest person in the world that RVD was there, which was like my favorite thing, because that guy couldn't give a fuck less that RVD was having a bad time. 
Um, <laughs> it was just very funny to me. He's, he's like, like, I got. Yes! He's like, I, I got like, mozzarella oh. sticks. I got a Budweiser. <laughs> Fucking RVD is here. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> Which is very silly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, any comments on uh, RVD uh, before moving forward with Reign of Terror? Do you think this could have been RVD's time as world champion? Knowing what I know now, no. I think they pulled the trigger at the perfect time, truly. Um, which, if we ever get into fucking ECW one night stand, that whole event is buck wild. Um, I just got reminded another little clip of the crowd berating John Cena. Oh yeah, pop back. It's just oh. Yeah. They're so fucking mean. <laughs> yeah, was was that the same night that they shit on Big Show and Batista too? And they were like, change the channel. Like they shit on Big Show and Batista. Was that the first one or was that the second one? That might have been the second one, but it was at Hammerstein for sure. Yeah. I just uh, do I do them throwing his shirt back to him. Like fifteen minutes it felt like it took it was, forever for He that threw that shirt off. in every direction. They kept throwing it back. It was so I was like, This is the meanest fucking crowd. <laughs> I was like, yeah. get him out of there. What's wrong yeah. with you people? True hostile territory. <laughs> Uh, it's on the list. It might be the, I don't, I I do want to go with the Halloween episode coming up, but that one might have to be soon. We might have to jump ahead a little bit, come back to the Rain of Terror because that is a great <laughs> paper. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so we're gonna get the bill for Triple H and HBK at SummerSlam August twenty fifth. Tell Michael Speed Triple H in an unsanctioned street fight, pitting him with a jackknife Lola. Does anybody uh, remember this match as vividly as I do? I remember where I was watching that match. Yeah, you got any uh, mental notes for it? Dude, I was just a Shawn Michaels mark as a kid. I fucking loved it. I was in tears. (laughs) Fucking king. (laughs) Um, I have to go back and rewatch it, but I want to say that it still, like, holds up to, like, a four and a half, if I was going to guess. Like, that's just where, like, it was just awesome. Um, Again, I said it before, man. Shawn Michaels and Triple H, if you're going to have storytellers, for what was on the roster at that time, or are there really two better individuals to do so? Oh, yeah. Um, so, for the next uh, three months later, we have uh, Survivor Series, where Michael won the first ever Elimination Chamber by eliminating Chris Jericho and Triple H in this match, where he won the World Heavyweight Championship. And on the November 25th edition of Monday Night Raw, Michael defeated Rob Van Dam to retain the world title. Um, with a little bit of help from Triple H, which I thought was pretty cool, that uh, Triple H was going to beat anyone for the world title. He yeah. wanted it to be shot. He wanted it back, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I love that, man. I think that's a really cool way to get there. Um we don't see it enough, and I'm glad that we don't see it a lot because I don't want it to be used too much to where it doesn't matter when it should. Uh, uh, moving on, uh, Triple H defeated Rob Van Dam in number one contender match at uh, Armageddon. Um, Edward Michaels 
awarded the win to Triple H, the two brawled with one another, ending with Michaels nailing Triple H with Sweet Chin Music. And the next week on Raw, Eric Bischoff announced the world title match at Armageddon would be two out of three falls. For the first fall, there's going to be a street fight. Second fall, steel cage, and if necessary, the ladder match. Um, before we go any further, do y'all y'all wish there were different stipulations, um, different matches? Do you like the order of these? Would you twist anything up? Let's say y'all that. Um, for, I mean, for those three matches, like you, we could have it. You couldn't do this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just for if you were to do this three matches, I like to. I like them. I don't know. Okay, you know, ladder match though. It's kind of weird. It is a little weird to me. What about y'all? Yeah. I feel like the logistical nightmare of adding in the cage always presented a problem. Because like yeah. it was it was fucking chaotic to watch Ring Crew like get that cage set up and then get it like ready to get lifted back up again at the same time there's the fucking rope coming down for the title. Like it was it just felt like for the crew, like they were like, The fuck are you having us do tonight? Like, yeah, but like after the cage match was done, like that fall was finished. Yeah, the guy's having an issue closing the fucking door and getting. Yeah, he's the, literally the the cage is being lifted and he's like fucking cl- close. <laughs> <laughs> he's like slamming it shut while it's fucking moving. Like I was like, my brain was like, it seemed like a bit of a nightmare. But like, I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess the if you were to were cool for what they were, if you sure. were to take one out, I probably would have taken out the the cage match just because like if. Because of what the cage match is, and you and Cortland and, and you guys know how much I f- fucking feel about cage matches and them using the cage aspect of the match to make it the what it is like having yeah. someone escape from a cage in any way, and then it'd be like, oh, you're not even fucking done yet. Like, yeah, I mean, granted he pinned, but like, it's like that's what I normally want: someone to escape the cage. And then it'd just be like, you got to go back in the ring One now, dude. Ball, yeah. <laughs> You're not fucking yeah. finished here, dog. Get back in there. So and that thing is that the cage is supposed to be your blow off. Yeah. Like that's what they used for the mecca of all of them. Before there was a hell in a cell or before there was some elimination chamber, the war games, there was just a straight steel cage. That was your blow off because they're, they're terrifying. No one wants to be in that match. Um, Especially those old bars, dude. Jeez, please. Like, looking back and watching the Vince McMahon Stone Cold, uh, like, dude, oh my lord. Just how many accidents could have happened yeah. in that match? Some did, but the amount that could have is. Well, crazy. there's, there's even like, it's, I'm trying to remember what, I think it's written in like the, the Are We There Yet book that they had, where it was all, like, their road stories. I'd have to go back and read it, like, and find it or whatever, but there's, like, a quote in there from Mick Foley being, like, one of the most notably painful bumps he ever took is in the match against Triple H in the Blue Steel Cage match where he's trying to crawl out and China slams the door on his head. He was like, it hurts so fucking bad. Like, he was like... It, you know it's bad when Mick himself is like, that fucking hurt. Yeah. Because <laughs> she so fucking slammed that door in his head. So, like, those ones are fucking awful. And then, yeah, like, the the this era's cage 
was like the only thing worse than that was being stuck in a hell in a cell. So like yeah. it was always like that was like you never wanted to get to a cage match because like you can only go one other spot and it's fucking worse. <laughs> well, um, so moving ahead on the same night that this match match stipulation was being stated as hell is now. Triple H defeats Jeff Hardy and where Ric Flair and Triple H attack Hardy after the match and. Uh, they almost take him out with a steel chair until Michaels comes out and challenges both men. Both moments later, Ric Flair cuts a promo at Michaels, stating that if Michaels doesn't pass the torch at Armageddon, Triple H will kill him. Oh my god. <laughs> what? <laughs> you are uh, die. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. I got guy. Arn on fucking speed dial. He's got the Glock. This is all one show, okay? Uh, it's wild. We'll attack Triple H and Flair with an iron shovel outside of the venue. A few headshots hits Michaels and smash Triple H with a trash can, causing him to fall inside a dumpster. After Michaels climbed to the top of a trailer and jumped off, uh, jumped off of the trailer on the Triple H, smashed a clear message toward their title match at Armageddon. Moving um, forward in the three stages of Hell match, the first fall street fight, and the one thing I have written out for this is one long ass first stage. Didn't expect the first stage to be that long. I don't know if they've ever done it since. However, most notably, for the love of God, Triple H walks to the back and grabs him a two by four. You like grabbed him barbed wire. Grabbed him And he walks towards Sean and looks at him and looks back at the stage entrance. And yeah. makes the ex- yeah. makes the executive decision that only he could. I'm gonna light this son bitch on fire. <laughs> and got a guy in the back, just like they had the old Inferno match, yeah. hitting the old juicer, hitting the yeah. and the flame just going up every time no, he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, like he thinks he's going to, and then. Blaze like looks back so the, it goes back down, and then he looks at it so it goes back up, and looks at it so it goes back down. Uh, so I just wrote that down. That's really cool. Um, uh, swings to the fences at Sean. Um, Sean somehow, one way or another, uh, hits it, and he almost throws this shit in the crowd, fam. <laughs> this shit went way over there. <laughs> that shit went on. Then, uh, Sean picks it up after uh, being terrified that a fan was gonna get burnt. This kid is leaning over, like <laughs> he's like, "Stay away from the fan, babe." <laughs> and then uh, he picks it up and he just swings this thing, and uh, <laughs> he swings it and just takes him out. And I don't know how good this shot is. We don't get a great shot of it. Uh, for camera, but it looks like he rocks the shit out of him. Let's say y'all surprised that uh, Vince let more fire happen. 
Casey was jumping out of his fucking seat trying to say something. My uh, my exact note was Triple H almost lit the crowd on fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just watch him go. <laughs> and I like I my brain was like, oh, he just kind of like, eh. And then like it pans and it's literally touching the barricade. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, he almost lit the crowd. I was like, he almost hit a fan. Like that might actually like. Those fans might actually felt that, like, come next to them, like, oh, shit. Yeah, I just thought it was fucking comical that before the bell even rang, Earl Hebner was like, Rick, you're fucking out of here. Just for, <laughs> spoiler alert, Rick to come oh. waltzing his ass back down. <laughs> later. Y'all think he was going to stay back there? No chance. I also wrote... I was like, with the first fall being a street fight match, why would it matter if Flair was ejected? Uh, it was. Just what are you weird. gonna do? Fucking, you can't disqualify him. It's a fuck. It was. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, he just fucking waltzes his happy ass back down during the cage match. He's like, hi, I'm Diva. And I'm gonna get the tables <laughs> back again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got fucking. You got 3D over here. He's got Devon directing traffic to add more tables to that clusterfuck. Like, I'm yeah, like, it was just, uh, so stupid. They were there forever. Um, so, Triple H gets the first fall by a pedigree. Um, any, uh, anything to say about the first fall other than the fact that it was long as shit? It was long. It was long, but I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It it was long, and I I kind of said it earlier, and it it gets brought up now. Uh, the whole most of that is just Triple H working Sean's knee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the I'll just oh, oh his 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 long. knee drops the then now are just fucking. They don't look comfortable at all to take. They look like they actually kind of fucking jack your knee up a little bit. Yeah. But like I mean, I walk slams to the chair. Oh. Right. Sean of course takes the blunt of all of those most of the time, but he got Triple H back on this one. And oh, yeah. it was pretty cool to see him get one in on him yeah. and Triple H or rather JR, sorry. JR saying uh, now he knows what it feels like to have your back kicked. You know all all that stuff, and it, I, it's really cool to to have this story last for so long that people remember in the unsanctioned match that that sidewalk slam to the chair was such a huge spot. It was so important in that match for it to return again and again and again for all of their matches. It really solidifies that this story lasts the test of time, and it little nuances by a single sidewalk slam that shows how well they do together in telling a story for however long they wish to to tell it. I mean, they could do more today and add stuff to it, and we would more than likely be entertained by it. Um, moving forward, the second uh, stipulation is the steel cage match. And uh, like y'all said, I'm not a big fan of Steel Cage match being the second. I don't think uh, in any uh, SmackDown game I ever had playing three stages of hell that I'm fucking putting Steel Cage second. Um, 
that's not how that one goes. That's hardcore TLC Hell in a Cell, baby. That's the three you put together. Um, <laughs> but uh, does anyone have anything written down for this uh, stage? Because I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed Ric Flair making his entrance and getting absolutely the proverbial crimson mask. Yeah, and just getting his ass whooped like only Rick can in 2002. Yeah, um, I have I have two things. I have the uh, all caps massive cage splash. Yeah. Um, but it pisses me off to no end when Triple H is sitting next to an open door with the cage just wide fucking open, and is just staring at Shawn Michaels beating the piss out of old man Ric Flair. Like, yeah. just go, bud. Like, you're right there. Just see yourself out. Like, I just would rather him be in a different corner of the ring for, like, just watching, you know? Yeah. Any points you would like to make on this call? Um, I just brought up, I rewrote down the fact that, like, Blair Waltz is happy ass back down during this part of the match. Apparently it's only... I think this technicality is he was only ejected for the street fight match. He wasn't ejected for the cage match. So he can walk. It's like his if so fast. He's like, fuck it. It works. Um, <laughs> gives fucking blade. Like he blades immediately. I'm like, how did you bleed so fast? Did you cut your head all the way down? Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's just walking he's like, by. He's like <laughs> in the <laughs> ring. And then immediately they're like, flares busted open. I'm like, fucking how? He's, yeah. he got looked at and he got cut open. That um, reminds me. Y'all remember the TNA promo where Rick is talking shit in the ring and out of nowhere he just fucking. Just yeah. I also I'd also wrote, written down because once again we know I have very strong feelings about cage matches here. Like yeah. everyone had brought up, it just makes more sense to fucking escape the cage. Uh he took a page out of Jeff Hardy's book and instead of just climbing over the fucking thing, he's like Suck it. Eh, splash. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess that. I mean, he went through a table. I'll take a table spot any day, but like, you you were halfway there. You could have just gone over. Popped your ass over. Yeah. yeah you know, but fuck um, it. That moment made me realize how much I miss like flash photography at the events. Like, yeah, 100%. Such a sick moment of like him fucking, and it's just white. You can't even see what's happening because of how many flashes are happening. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, well, our third stage is this ladder match. I'm, I'm, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Um, this third fall, um, I think it's hard for Sean to have a bad ladder match. Um, and also, that that's not just credit to him. I can't really... Uh, Triple H did well in this. Um, but uh, I, I just want to go back to Sean and Razor ladder match. And people don't give Razor the credit that he deserves in that match. It's always the, the ideal shot of John t- or Sean taking that leap. Splash, yeah. I mean... It's hard to get a better fucking shot than that. Like, that is fucking... It's amazing work. Um, it's iconic. But 
I just feel like anytime we have this whole ladder match, like this person is the king of ladder matches, this person is the king of this and the king of that, it's not that they always win because we've always done this on Jeff Hardy, Hardy Boys, the best of ladder matches. Dude, how many ladder matches Hardy Boys won? They lost like every single one. Three, maybe. <laughs> as a fucking Terry 12, or 13, some shit that they've been in that company. Um, so it, I'm surprised for Sean to take this spot that he does at the finish of this match. Um, those are really the only things I have written down for it. Um, but dude, that that spot, he missed that back table and, and just like pushing it away. Yeah, dude. Oh man, oh man, what a rough spot. Um, <laughs> but I mean, beautiful execution. The sell of the climb by Triple H getting there. Because you know he's been through a battle. He's had three stages. His leg's been wrapped since go. Um, I mean, he he really... I feel like Shawn Michaels really solidifies Triple H here as being the man. The because guy. like you said earlier, uh, we have Shawn Michaels here. We don't have the heartbreak kid. But right here, what you just watched, that is the cerebral assassin. That is the game. A hundred percent all the time. That is that man. And it only solidifies even more how awesome the reign of terror is about to be. And we had no idea the shit we were about to go through, bro. And I uh to be hated man in America. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any uh Opinions on uh, this third fall? Did you enjoy this ladder match? I enjoyed the ladder match. Um, it's just like, like it's just so. You said it earlier, Casey. It's in the question question. There's so much shit happening in this match that it was just like by the time you got to the ladder match, you kind of just talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I understand. Uh, I mean, dude, it is long. It's 35 minutes mm-hmm. and 25 seconds. Meltzer gave it two stars. Um. I'm sure y'all have a different rating than that. Mike, what's yours? He gave it what? Two, two stars. stars. Dude, I went four and a quarter on that one, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have, I have uh, it was storytelling at its finest. Like, you could, watching it back, you could tell kind of what the outcome was going to be of the ladder match just because they're saying it's Shawn Michaels' match, Shawn's match. Like, he's going to win it, Shawn's match. So for the flip-flop of, like, the ladder match going to Triple H, but the cage match going to Sean was, like, a really cool um, swap there for sure. Um, but that that table spot, I just have a humongous table spot um, at the end of the deciding ladder match. Like, um, and then I said Triple H and Shawn Michaels, dare I say, have delivered in every single match they've had against each other, and this was no different. Like, it just felt fucking awesome from the jump, and it was just a good match. Uh, kept you invested through the whole 35, 38 minutes, whatever it was. Casey, you're ready? Um, I think at least a solid four. Like, it's... You had individually, like, so, a three solid matches, and then being able to fucking just, like, ash them together into one 35-minute ordeal is just honestly impressive. And, like... For them, neither one of them being like 
like spot monkeys and they don't do a lot of like you had a couple of like you know you have your couple splashes from sean and stuff and they have the big table bump but like they're not like it's just done well and like it is shitty for like what's to come with triple h and like how long that like all of that transpires and like you almost just resent him after the time but like that I don't think anyone can really replicate what they did in this match. I don't think it's possible. I do have some issues with what they did in this match. Once again, I don't understand why we had one whole fucking, the whole street fight. Sean's knee. Sean's knee. Sean's knee. You don't fucking notice it the entire rest of the match. That, like, he gets that knee fucking worked. And he's climbing up the cage without a problem. He's climbing up the ladders without a problem. It's just like a weird like detail that like bugs the hell out of me. That like it would make more sense if you just took all of that and put it into the ladder match because then he can't climb the fucking ladder. Like it just I don't know. It bugged the hell out of me. Um, I don't know if anyone else witnessed this or noticed it, but after he does the splash from the ladder. I think a fight broke out in the stands. Cause you can see all of the, all of the hard cam fans, they all stand up and then just go. They're not, a fucking splash from the top of a ladder just happened and they're not even paying attention to that. They're like chanting and yelling at something like in the far, like right corner. And I'm like, is that a fight break out? Cause like they all applaud a minute later. It's the weirdest fucking thing for me to have caught. You'll have to probably watch it back to see. Um, and then, yeah, a table tried to murder Shawn Michaels at the end of the match. It's that table fucking tried to kill him twice. <laughs> he didn't connect with it, and then tried to land on his head, and he's like, get out of here. <laughs> Before you get started, you said earlier, you know, that, you know, like, I love it, dude. Super intense, man. If you had to put it on a rating scale, what would you put it in? I'm not going to get <laughs> the pat seal of I don't want to. That's fair. Respect that. Yeah. Well, we're all in close range. Yeah. Uh, we will discuss what we are going to do next week. Does anybody want to uh, wrap up this uh, podcast for us? I'm saying we should stay fucking linear and we should bust out Royal Rumble 03 because I'm looking at this card and holy shit balls. Is it a doozy, fellas? Um, we have Tori Wilson versus Don Marie, and then immediately after, spoiler alert, Triple H versus Scott Steiner. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, I'm on board for that. I fucking hate it. I, I To circle back, because you brought it up now, um, during the, trip, the Fatal 4-Way tag match, I think we get our first glimpse of what Steiner math is. Because Jerry the King Lawler pulls some, like, really shitty math out of his head of being, like, what the percentages of someone winning. And I was like, it's like standard math, but, like, a couple of years prior. It's cute. Just a month prior, <laughs> truly. A month prior to fucking juiced up Scott Steiner. Holla if you hear me. Uh. And uh, your last match on this card before the, Royal, before the Royal Rumble happens is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. So, um, you know... I say that's the one to watch 
I mean, if we go. Let's see. Same time next week. 